This morning, we are going to be continuing in Romans 13. So turn in your Bibles to Romans 13. Our context is still living sacrifices for Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, I beg you, I plead, I exhort you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed or pushed into this world's image, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Sometimes we get off a little bit and we forget that what God makes available to us, every Christian, as he fills us with his Holy Spirit, is to know his perfect will. That's really easy to say, sometimes a little bit difficult to to work out in our lives. But through prayer, through calming ourselves in our faith, through knowing that God is in control, which is what we're going to see this morning in, in the exhortation in chapter 13, we can know God's perfect will. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst, in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents, know and understand the times, and be harmless as doves. Prepare your heart to love those you might come across who hate you. In Romans 8 and 36, we went over this just a few weeks ago. As it is written, for your sake, Paul says to the Roman church, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Living sacrifices are ready, like Paul, to give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that particular verse in context because it's powerful and it's a power, powerful section. Many of you are familiar with it. Romans 8 and 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword, even death? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor my stupid mistakes. That was an add-on. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Remember this, God's love and power in our lives is so sure that we can offer ourselves as a living sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, and we can do it in a loving, powerful way. Just as our Jesus showed us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for... This morning, we thank you that we get to spend time in your word in this country that allows us to, to do that. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in this teaching. We pray that as, as your word hits our heart and our mind and our souls, that we'd receive it. Lord, you'd give us understanding. You'd change. You'd correct us. 
Lord, you'd, you'd set us aside this morning to hear your word and, and to receive it with gladness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the, the little bit of history behind Romans and this letter that was written to the Roman church. Rome at one time was a republic. By this time, when Paul is writing, they are now much more of a dictatorship ruled by the Caesars. Caesar is Lord was a common phrase. And we know from history the damage that the Caesars and this time period did to the Christian church and anyone else that pretty much got in their way. Nero was in power. Church history records that both Paul and Peter were martyred at the hands of Nero. Nero killed his mom to ascend to the throne, killed several siblings, and again, anybody that got in his way. Rome and the people of Rome were, were basically his plaything. Here's a few, a few things that Nero did to Christians. Thousands of Christians were starved to death, torn by dogs, burned, fed to lions, used as torches, nailed to crosses. When Paul asked the Roman Christians to be living sacrifices, he knew that they might end up as Nero's weekend entertainment. Brings into focus some of the issues that we get frustrated with in our country today, doesn't it? This is the contextual history that Paul asks. That, that when Paul asks what he's about to ask us was going on in Rome. Look at verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. <laughs> to Nero? Paul, really? For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You know, uh, Daniel was given an interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in a very miraculous way. And that interpretation was, King, your throne's not going to last forever. And he didn't like that, and he erected a statue, and he made folks worship him and, and all that good stuff. Daniel said this when, when he got this vision in Daniel 2 and 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. We all thought that COVID did that. No, God did that. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The psalmist said this in Psalm 75 and 6. Exaltation comes neither from the west nor from the north, nor from the south, nor from the electoral college. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Do you believe that of your God? Scripture records it, and so we ought to believe it. And sometimes in all of the political landscape, we forget. We forget. A lot of this heartache that I have right now, I just need to give to the Lord. 
and watch him work. Because he's doing something. He's indeed changing the times and the seasons right now. And if you take, if you take the Bible as God's word, then it can be exciting rather than scary. Sure, there's a certain amount of fear and intrepidation, but it can be exciting to say, Lord, what's next? Just help me, help me to be part of it. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I'm sure most of Rome's laws in general were there to keep people safe. Even wicked nations, even pagan nations. Their laws in general are so that people say, stay safe. And so that society runs smoothly. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror. They're not, they're not to, there to bring you terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. A couple things here. Let's go with just the obvious. The vast majority of Colorado Springs police department and those who work in it and our El Paso County Sheriff's Office and even our Colorado legislators are here for our good. Now, whether they do good is up for debate, but they're here for our good. And most of our laws are born out of some moral reason to keep people safe, to keep people from being cheated, to keep people from dying on the roads, those types of things. So we have no reason to be afraid if we're keeping those laws. Unless, for example, you're doing 60 in a 45 and you pass one of God's ministers cleverly situated on a side street. (laughs) And if you hadn't prayed that morning, you start praying now that he's over there doing his morning devotions and not watching you. Right? There's that, oh my, a little bit of fear. But should you pass God's minister and you look down and you're going 45? Oh, bless the Lord. Got past that one. Woo! Did my devotions. Obeying The laws that are good, that are godly, that keep everybody safe, always brings a blessing. No terror, no tickets, right? It's obvious. What's not obvious and what's on everybody's heart in our nation today, the direction it's going, and and also I'm sure around the world where the folks live under tyrants, Obey the government when the government is corrupt, when they're ungodly, when they fail to be just, when they kill, when they rape, when they steal, 
the peop- from the people that are, they're supposed to keep safe. That's what was going on in Rome. That's when Paul wrote this. So how do we, how do we, how do we work that out? I'm sure that Paul and Peter, when they were arrested, did not send letters to Timothy and Luke saying, hey, we need you guys to put together an army, a militia, and go to a remote area in Montana so you can overtake Rome. Some of you will get that later. Paul said to the Corinthian church, our weapons of war are not carnal. They're not a sword. They're not a bomb. They're not a gun. But powerful in God. Mighty in God. And sometimes we can be guilty, again, in today's America, of thinking somehow maybe that gun's going to save me. Christians, that's not us. We are not called to that from our Bible. As wise as serpents, as gentle as, as doves. Paul and Peter did not call for the militia. They lost their lives for the gospel. Why would God allow such rulers if he's the one placing them up or pulling them down? Wickedness and ungodliness breeds more wickedness and ungodliness. Think about it. As the Romans became farther and farther away from anything that God would prescribe for any nation, for any people, for any tribe, then very naturally their leaders would look like them. And sometimes God allows it and lifts those up for judgment. Did he not, for his own special people, Israel, raise up an entire nation, the Assyrians, followed by an entire nation, the Babylonians, to bring judgment upon them? Yes, he did. And he is God, and he knows better than I. I struggle with it as well. You saints that have been along, uh, that have been here even longer than myself at 57, some of you have seen some things that are heartbreaking. And heartbreaking to even think about, to even talk about. And yet God is still on the throne. To a a large degree, the rest of our brothers and sisters around the world, they live this, they have to live their faith out, wondering if they're going to make it through the day, if they're going to have a job, if they're going to be in jail, or worse. So goes our nation, and so goes the breaking of our heart with these things. That's a very, that's a very, very natural thing. Another question, what, are they, what, are, what do we do if they outlaw the Bible or the teaching of the Bible? The pastors here will have to start a prison ministry because we're not going to compromise it. Personally, if they come for my gun, 
I won't die for it. I might die if they come from my Bible. Far more powerful. The thing that you have on your coffee table that sometimes we neglect is far more powerful than anything you own. And so we read it and we work through it and sometimes it's confusing and sometimes we don't know, Lord, I didn't understand anything I read today. Show me your power and reveal that to me. I went through that. I went through that in the early days of just wanting, you know, God's word. And he is faithful. He is faithful. We will not compromise the word of God. In Proverbs 21 and 1, it says this, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Nero's heart was in the hand of God. He turned it where he wished. Joe Biden's heart is in the hand of God. Are we praying that God would turn it the way that he wishes? Are we holding out that hope for America? The hope of repentance, the hope of restoration, the hope of revival that needs to start right here, by the way, and always starts right here. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it. Ecclesiastes says this, do not curse the king. Even in your thought, do not curse the rich, even in your bedroom, for a bird of the air may, may carry your voice, or Twitter, Twitter, or Alexa, or, a, or, or a Siri. Brings that verse alive, doesn't it? And a bird of flight may tell the matter. He's saying wisdom is keep your heart right. Don't curse. Don't curse, but bless. First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The political landscape for Timothy was the same as the Romans. Pray for them. Lift them up. Look at verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. When Paul was arrested in, in prison in Rome, this was after he wrote the book of Romans. He wrote the book of Romans. Then he got arrested and, and went before uh, the Roman leadership. And he was in prison, and he wrote Philippians. And, and he said this to the Philippian church. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Talk about a clear conscience for Paul. Talk about a clear conscience for us when we genuinely get on our knees and pray for Washington instead of cursing them. 
When we genuinely get on our knees and we have a broken heart for our land and we go to God rather than Allah or a political figure or a political party. Now, if you're new to Rocky Mountain Calvary, when the Bible is political, we'll talk about politics a a little bit. But we keep the main thing, the Word of God and Jesus so this morning's a little bit unique, but the Bible brought it up, so we're going to talk about it just a little bit. So don't get freaked out. Look at verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes to take care of the, God's ministers for good. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Paul and Jesus firmly believed in fully funding our police. So when you don't cheat on your taxes, you're helping God carry that out. You're also having a clear conscience. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Daniel honored King Nebuchadnezzar, wicked king. And God used him. Joseph honored Pharaoh. Wicked ruler. God used him in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Imagine if Paul would have disrespected the palace guard. You think they would have cared about his views on Jesus Christ or not? No. No. But Paul said, oh man, I'm, I'm sitting here in jail and he's bragging about, he's bragging about telling his captors about Jesus Christ. What an attitude. For the Christian to have. Nothing, nothing speaks more faith in Jesus Christ. Than in the face of those who are treating you the worst. You tell them about Jesus. Tell them how much God loves them. Powerful. Powerful. So we can fear. And we can honor. And we can pray for our leaders. And let God lift up. And let God bring down. Many times we can be guilty of becoming cynical and disrespectful. Not the heart of God. I'm guilty. I'm with you. I've yelled at the TV more than once. Now, you know, James and John, when the Samaritans didn't want to hear from, from them about Jesus and hear the gospel and they were rejecting it. James and John came to Jesus and said, Jesus, let's, let's fry him. Let's bring fire and brimstone. Jesus said, you do not know what spirit you are of. We are, we are the gatekeepers of our spirit. We are the gatekeepers of our brains and our hearts when it comes to the things of God. Are we as harmless as doves? Harmless as doves. I hope so. That's what Jesus told us to be. That's what we should be. Look at verse 8. Owe no one anything. Now, debt-free living is a whole nother hour I could go on forever because it's an awesome thing and you should all get there as soon as possible. That's all I'll say about that. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
God's love is a debt we can never repay. But it's a debt that we get to work on for the rest of our lives with joy. And here's, here's the awesome thing. God loved us so much. And because that love and that agape love comes from him, and there is an endless supply of it, whenever you need it, for whatever reason, for whatever family member, for whatever person you work for, for whatever person you come across or situation you come across, you have an endless supply of love if you will get your heart there. That's what we have as Christians. That's the power that sometimes, Lord, where's your power? And he's going, it's right there. It's the love that I gave you when I died on the cross for your sins. And right now, you need to realize that. Change your heart to love. Change your heart to love. Look at verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The Pharisees were testing Jesus. They said, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, this is the perfect law of love, which, which there is no law against. If we're always pressing into what's loving, if we're always pressing into my, what's loving to be thinking right now, what's loving to be speaking right now, what's loving to be doing right now, there's no law. There's no terror. There's no fear. Because not only am I going to be doing the right thing before the Lord, I'm going to be a wonderful witness for him. And, and should they take me to jail for loving I take on the attributes and the actions of my Jesus and of Paul and of Peter and all the apostles that went before us and every Christian for about a couple hundred years after Christ that died in the Colosseum for their faith, for love's sake. If I'm truly grateful for the abundant love of Jesus toward me, then I will take serious the commandment to love him back and to share that love with others. We need no other law. No other law. Now, this love is agape, and it hurts. And I, I, I can't say that it's not going to hurt. And sometimes, we've all heard this, I don't want to love anymore because it hurts. Last time I really loved and put, my, put it out there, it got stomped on. I can't, I can't fix that. It's going to happen. What I can say is, God knows your hurt. God knows your pain. Don't ever stop loving. Don't ever stop loving. Verse 11. 
and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now your salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, so how, how much closer are we to that time? We can sense it. We can feel it. We can see how these times and seasons are changing. And God's hand is right there in it. It's okay, it's okay to say, Lord, where are you in this? Just know that he is. Know and understand that he is. Verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Cast them off. And let us put on the armor of light. Works of darkness, works of the flesh. Paul said this to the Galatian church. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident, they're obvious. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and everything else that comes on your TV every night of the week. Ouch. They're evident. Of which I said in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but, and this is where we get to live. He's going to describe love and walking in the spirit right now, right after that whole list of things that are darkness that we're supposed to cast off. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. There is no law. I'm free and clear when I operate in the Spirit. And the only way to overcome the flesh and cast those things off, Paul said, is to indeed walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Easy to say. Easy to write. Man, sometimes hard to work out. But hard things are good. Sometimes good heart hurts are good because God's refining and he's, and he's casting things off from us so that, we can, so that we can press in to the things of him. And those who of Christ, he went on, have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Look at verse 13 of chapter 13. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revel revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife and envy. Verse, verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. When we put on Christ, we indeed will be walking in the spirit. We will be putting on that love. We will be putting on that joy. We will be putting on that long-suffering. We will be putting on the right attitude and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we will be right before our Father in heaven. 
And rather than grieving the Holy Spirit, because Paul said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, we can please the Holy Spirit. This is something, Christians, we work on every single day. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if this morning you find yourself really just for some reason getting caught in darkness, my, how God loves you. Remember, Paul told the Roman Christians, and if he warned them of this, then some of them had the same thing going on. They struggled. They struggled living in Roman society. They struggled with sin. They struggled with darkness. And he's encouraging them, you can do this. And, and you may have struggled with something for 10, 20, 30 years. Never, ever give up on God's love and his power in your life. The Bible says if your heart condemn you, condemns you, Jesus, God, he knows better. He won't condemn you if you come to him, if you sit at his feet. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for your word. God, as it, it challenges us in, in this world and in, in these United States, sometimes it can be difficult. God, help us, help us to live above the things that sometimes bring us down that cause us to live in fear, that cause us to live in defeat rather than your victory. Lord, we thank you for your abundant love. Teach us, mold us, shape us, that we might take that love that you showed us and give it to others. That we might be able to control our minds and our thoughts. That we for sure will be able to control our tongues and what we speak. Lord, that you would control our feet, where they go, our eyes, what they see. Forgive us when we've been less than this, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.